What's up, guys? My name is Lucas. I'm the founder of Boost Your Biology, and welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. Lucas, welcome back to the show, brother. Uh, Danny, pleasure to be here. Mate, we had such a good reception to our, our first episode and there were so many little gold nuggets in there. And I remember at the end of the episode, we were literally sitting there just going, fuck, man, we could probably <laughs> talk for another two to three hours. We didn't get through a quarter of the stuff we wanted to touch on. But um, guys, we'll, we'll probably bring Lucas back on uh, a few times, I think. There's there's lots of stuff that we want to cover. We're, mm. we're kind of even talking about potentially putting together a little mini series as well. Um, but mate, we, we come up with a few different ideas of stuff we can touch on today, but before we dive into that, um, fill us in, man, how, how you been since the last time and what's been happening in your world? Yeah, it's been good. I mean, I just told you, I shared with you before that I was in Amsterdam at the, the biohacking summit. So mm. I presented over there, which was a fantastic opportunity. Um, I think I was the only Aussie speaker there. So that was great. Who were some of the other speakers at, that he, at the event? So the, the biggest speaker was Chris Gethin. He's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was actually... DT, spe- uh, what was his DT? Is it DTP or something? It was... His, his program from ages ago. It was yeah. on bodybuilding.com. It was like one of the most popular programs on there. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll back... I was actually speaking right after his um, presentation. So they put me on when the audience was... When the, the crowd was full. So I was like the keynote speaker behind him and also... Um, Simland, he's another like biohacker yep. from like Estonia mm-hmm. and also Tim Gray, he's from the UK. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it was awesome, man. It was great. And what, um, what type of like in a, in a short summary, what type of content did you really, I guess, cover in that keynote? So my presentation was on, um, non-psychedelic cognitive enhancement. So mm-hmm. the theme of the whole conference was expanding consciousness. Mm-hmm. So that's like, that was the overarching awesome. theme. And so my presentation was like. Because every second speaker there was talking about psychedelics. So I'm like, how can I not talk about psychedelics but sort of somewhat relate to it? So Right. So so at the event, there was a lot of focus on actually how you can use psychedelics to expand consciousness. A huge, yeah. huge amount. And I'm a big like proponent of psychedelic use under certain conditions. But mm. like my approach was a little bit different. It was more so like um, how can we tickle the same receptor without yeah. actually taking psychedelics? Interesting. I feel like that's going to be a large conversation, but are you, are you able to share any little insight yeah, into some of the things? Because I mean, uh, I mean, every time we talk, I'm just like, shit, we've got like 10 episodes we can do because that topic in particular, I think is something that I'd love to, to cover with you. But yeah, if you've got a few kind of takeaways that we could grab from how you can tap into that expanding consciousness without yeah. psychedelics. Yeah. So the whole premise, if I did a TLDR of my presentation, so um, the main takeaway was that LSD, psilocybin, they agonize or they activate the serotonin 2A receptor. Mm-hmm. So this is like a very well-studied serotonin receptor. And there's now a way to activate or agonize that same receptor using a constituent that's found within a common herb, which is also found in alpha brain, which we we're talking about before, yeah. Bacopa monnieri. So Bacopa monnieri is like a Ayurvedic Indian medicine that's used for memory okay. and cognition. And there's now research done on a particular constituent, which is like L-theanine from green tea mm-hmm. that's found within Bacopa that has an effect on that serotonin 2A receptor without the hallucinations. Right. So <clears throat> has an effect on the same receptor 
as psilocybin or and LSD, LSD. and other psych- many psychedelics. Well, what we call the classical psychedelics, which mm-hmm. are LSD, DMT, um, psilocybin, um, mescaline, like these ones here, mm-hmm. they activate or agonize that serotonin receptor. And this is like relatively new research that this particular constituent found again, yet again, naturally, yep. naturally occurring, uh, can also agonize that same receptor and give a user this, a similar effect to microdosing. In the way of what expanding levels of consciousness and being able to think in, in different or, or higher levels in comparison without the, psych, without the, the psychoactive type. Yeah, yeah. So basically response. enhanced creativity, thinking outside the box, being able to connect the, connect the dots. Um, mm-hmm. And also when you activate or agonize that to a receptor, it actually causes a lot of like introspection Right, like which is what you probably yeah. hear about, you know, people that use psychedelics. They yeah. say it makes them feel more, like they they go more within and they look more connected. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So, um, <clears throat> in terms of dosages and, and how people can even get access to this this compound, like, yeah, is it, is it easily accessible? It is. Um, so I was actually working closely with the US's biggest nootropics manufacturer. So this is um, Nootropics Depot, yeah, which you're familiar with. Um, so I was also working alongside them to like share this information, but mm-hmm. they've been working on this for a number of probably like three, four years now. And they've been able to extract, well, they've been able to standardize this Bacopa Monieri okay. for Ebelin Lactone, which is the fancy name for the actual chemical constituent. Yep. And it's a 10% extraction. So the dosage is um, 100 milligrams, which okay. is orally bioavailable mm-hmm. and crosses the blood brain barrier and initial i would say like these are like the um what do you call them like the early adopters yeah. those that are like keen to like experiment like yeah the, the, the guinea pigs yeah <laughs> like they've tried it and they've noticed like a slight mood elevation slight improvement in memory and okay. focus and things like that have you tried it i did a week so the, i so did you a, do it as similar as in microdosing you're basically using it over an extended period yeah yeah um but in this case since there's no like toxicity there's no real issue with using it consecutively like day after Mm -hmm. day whereas sometimes obviously with you know microdosing it might become like difficult to source and there's all other complications Mm -hmm. um but yeah i I guess for someone who has used psychedelics or has some experience with psilocybin or lsd um they might be interested in this particular compound for sure (laughs) i reckon they will be (laughs) before we kind of move on from the as i said i think we need to save this for for another episode but you mentioned you you are a fan of of um, of uh, like psilocybin and different forms of, of microdosing and stuff like that. It's something that you've you would recommend or that you've tried. Obviously, in in there's a lot of different circumstances we need to talk about. But is that something that you have spent a bit of time kind of doing research on? I think uh, in the next five to ten years, we're going to see an even bigger explosion in clinical trials. Mm. On I mean, we've already seen in the last ten years there's a massive in- increase in clinical research on PTSD, yep. anxiety, depression. Um, and there's some really prolific speakers on this topic who know a hell of a lot more than me, but I do think there's going to be a bigger emphasis on research, mm-hmm. which because we, we need more research. Mm. Um, but I think it's, yeah, it can be a, a powerful tool, like a very powerful tool. In my opinion, I think the the way in which they can be really like powerfully used is as a pattern interrupt. That's how I describe okay. them. It's like a, 
disrupting the default mode network yeah. and you know a pattern interrupt stopping the the person from feeling that learned helplessness feeling yeah <clears throat> yeah that's interesting and so um at this event was it was it largely based around <clears throat> like substances that can be used or like su uh, supplementation that can be used or is there much kind of talk around practices like through meditation breath work all that type of stuff or how did that kind of there was a lot i mean it was outside it was probably 30 percent supplements and okay. then the rest was like different biohacks so it's just like mm. um using emf blocking devices yep. um okay special beds that are designed you know especially for your back and things mm. like that um there was a lot on um types of therapies like different meditation practices yep it's just a great event for anyone who's like into self-improvement or self-development that's awesome and uh, anyone can go to this event yeah yeah Man, let a, me know when the next one is that oh, sounds like something i'm super interested oh, you'd in love it yeah it's so it's, good it's funny like i i think we mentioned last time i spent a week with um with dr joe Dispenza in <laughs> nice. february this year and obviously a lot of his work is around like rewiring the brain and, and getting into that level of awareness and consciousness of uh, you know a coherent frequency and all that type of stuff and it was just super interesting even after spending a week with him just to see how literally through meditation mm. itself and obviously advanced different levels of meditation and whatnot, like the impact that we can have on, on chain and like rewiring and, and breaking that circuit. Mm. Massively, massively. Mm. I mean, a lot of his work is centered around developing self-awareness and yep. always at the end of every single podcast, the, 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 the host always asks me like, Hey, what's your number one biohack? And I always come back to that self-awareness because yeah. you can run so many different experiments, but mm. if you're not aware, like how are you going to know what's going to be working for you? you know? 100%. On the topic of serotonin, that was something that we wanted to, to bring up today um, around, I guess, how we can, you know, I guess, maximize our serotonin. I'm not too sure how to, how to word the question, but um, yeah. I know you've got some good stuff to share with us today around that. Yeah, so... What I really want to share is um, some of the misconceptions around serotonin. Mm -hmm. um, most people associate serotonin with having a good mood and like improving mood. Yep. But <clears throat> I really want to um, sort of out outline why serotonin may not be a neurotransmitter you always want to increase. Um, so I'll, I'll, go I'll give an example. If you look at... Um, we're not obviously Thanksgiving is more so in America and mm. they have their turkey, you know, the classical turkey lunch mm -hmm. with rice and, you know, lots of carbs, but heaps of turkey, right? And you look at how, how, how people feel after they eat a big dose of turkey. Mm -hmm. Okay. They usually feel sleepy. Yep. Like it's pretty well known. That is a result of the tryptophan found in turkey, which drives up serotonin actually contributing to fatigue and sleepiness right so serotonin if we're if we're wanting to wake up let's say you're a you're a go-getter and you want to just get shit done and you're like mm -hmm. an entrepreneur like yourself waking up in the morning you you want to have drive motivation and like resilience mm -hmm. serotonin will not assist with any of those serotonin actually dampens that and serotonin actually makes you feel um like content almost content yeah like and 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 numbed as well like yeah. it just sort of has a numbing effect we sort of spoke about yeah. last time um so it's definitely something i think people need to understand is serotonin can also slow down the metabolism so this is a, a no one really discusses like metabolism in this sense obviously mm. there's like macros and macronutrients which is also which is definitely important but someone that has high serotonin will have compromised thyroid functioning 
Um, So there's a link between high serotonin and high TSH, which is thyroid stimulating hormone. And that's not a good thing. Like serotonin has, it, it also dampens metabolism. And so what are some of the common practices or, or maybe supplementation that you see people using or doing at the moment that are leading to high serotonin um, levels and, and what can we be doing to have them in, I guess, a, an ideal normal range that's not going to be having those negative effects? Well, there's a lot of, th- a lot of things that can actually increase serotonin, both mm. herbal medicines, vitamins, and even drugs. I mean, SSRIs, which are antidepressants yeah. like they're notorious for increasing serotonin driving serotonin up up yeah and you look at the net result of ssr like yeah look at how people make sense yeah yeah people just kind of just numb out. Yeah. yeah and so they're also they struggle with losing weight they've got high prolactin just the whole the whole system becomes a mess so that's what ashwagandha would be doing i'm assuming yes that's we touched on that last time yes. and how that's kind of just numbing people out exactly right um, and so if we look at other supplements as well, like 5-HTP, that's a risky one. I say to like avoid as much as you can. Is that typically... Sorry to keep interrupting. I just got yeah. a million questions. The, that supplement, I mean, I feel like I've heard people talking about it like after a... A come down. Yes. So 5-HTP is used to replenish serotonin levels following a, you know... A, a, a drug pi- use. Pi- drug use, yeah. yeah. So like at a festival. <clears throat> but um, if you continuously then dose up fight let's say you haven't used illicit drugs and your your baseline is you're just experimenting if you use 5 hdp i've done the experiments myself i know i'm n equals one but i've also like like i've got a whole group of guys who are like fully into all this sort of stuff we all agree that 5 hdp makes us feel groggy sleepy Mm -hmm. brain fog um and it also increases cortisol so the, the serotonin pathway is sort of linked in with cortisol as well. So it's um, like you said before, ashwagandha is one. And then also um, there's other supplements like curcumin. Curcumin okay. can drive up serotonin. Yep. And then also like garlic extracts as well. If you're taking a big dose of garlic, like that can also have a an effect on serotonin. And so outside of using these you know herbs supplements whatever whatever else are are most people i guess pretty safe in terms of not having super high serotonin levels is realistically just for people who are kind of using compounds thinking that they're getting one effect but actually as a byproduct ending up driving serotonin too high yeah and and i think the the fact is that a lot of people are just not aware that they're sensitive to the the effects of high serotonin like I learned this through one of my favorite doctors um, who unfortunately passed away this year, um, Dr. Ray Pete. His content and his work is all over the internet still. And you can check out his forum, which I'm a, I'm a big fan of. It's called the Ray Pete Forum. Mm-hmm. Um, he created a lot of content and newsletters around the negative effects of serotonin. He considers serotonin as a hibernation molecule. It's right. like a hibernation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and he considers dopamine as a complete opposite. Dopamine is the one that pushes us, motivates us, Mm. you know, like it's very obvious now. And so you mentioned cortisol. I mean, I I have conversations like with my clients quite often Mm. um, and I'm sure you'll obviously elaborate on this, but you know, when I'm working with a client to lose body fat, right? And (laughs) and they're nailing their macros and nailing their training, their water, their sleep, they're doing all the right things. Yet you look at their day-to-day life and it's full of stress. Mm. Right? Or even when someone comes to me to, to start working with me and they've been through the, 
the same savage cycle of trying this workout, trying this diet plan, having no idea whether it's working, which then constantly leaves them in a state of stress of wondering whether or not the fuck they're doing the right thing. And cortisol levels are super high, which makes it really, really difficult to to metabolize fat as well. So Mm. talk to us about cortisol, I guess the 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 things that are driving cortisol levels too high whether or not it's a, a good or bad thing to have high cortisol levels um i'm sure the audience would benefit from this yeah so let's do a quick 101 like pharmacology or you know um biology understanding so cortisol is a hormone that's produced by the adrenal glands we have two adrenal glands they sit above the kidneys mm-hmm. um that's why the name adrenal uh, above the mm-hmm. renal you know renal glands and the adrenal glands not only secrete cortisol, but they secrete other hormones as well. But cortisol, let's focus on that. So cortisol is a glucocorticoid. If we look at that word, it basically means it will activate or work on the glucocorticoid receptors. Now, cortisol is released. And if if we look at like a typical daily release of cortisol, Mm -hmm. we should see a spike first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. Like we need cortisol to get going early in the morning, usually around six, seven 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. is when we see a peak level and when you get out of bed, get going. Hopefully, you've gone outside and you've exposed your, your face to sunlight. Some light, yeah. That'll help with that process. Um, but what we want is cortisol to then, um, you know, stay relatively high but then drop off and go down very, very low in the evening, evening. before yep. bed. Why do we want that? Because cortisol and melatonin have an inverse relationship. So Right. The higher your cortisol, the lower your melatonin. The lower your cortisol, melatonin can actually start to rise. And so you mentioned before about different factors that could be affecting a cortisol secretion. Many different factors. Caffeine intake, um, just feeling under the pump with work, mm-hmm. emotional stress, physical stress, an infection, a virus, um, looking at different, some supplements, licorice tea can drive up cortisol. Um, so as it pertains to body fat, I mean... If the goal is to get lean and you know drop body fat, cortisol is not going to be helpful for that process. Yeah. So um, cortisol will increase abdominal fat storage. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a, the classical sign of yep. high cortisol. Um, and fortunately, there are many ways that we can lower cortisol. Yep. So it's not it's not difficult to lower cortisol. Um, it can be done through supplementation, medications, lifestyle. Um, and things of that nature. And so after we train cortisol, does cortisol go up post-training? Well, it would start to rise during training. Like anytime you're... Ex- Even if we're training in the PM? Yeah. 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 You'd be, that's, that's why they suggest not training too late. Too late, yeah. Mm. Interesting. So, um, you know, basically looking at the fact that, as you said, lifestyle stress and whatnot, can, uh, factors that are going to increase cortisol. I mean, that'd... I would imagine be a big factor as to why something like meditation or some form of mindfulness practice uh, pre-bed is going to be beneficial in allowing us to actually get to sleep quicker on top of actually just de-stressing. But the fact that it's probably driving cortisol down, allowing melatonin to increase. Yeah. And like we've seen studies that like regular meditation can drop cortisol levels by up to 15 to 20% if you're doing it regularly. And then Mm. also if you're looking at... um, like sauna usage, that's another practice that over time will help your body become more in that parasympathetic state, which is that rest and digest mm-hmm. state. And that is associated that that is associated with lower cortisol. And then if we sort of tie in like biometrics, which I know you're a fan of, yeah. which is HRV, mm-hmm. um, usually those that have high HRV have mm-hmm. low cortisol. Have low cortisol, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, we spoke with, since you've been on, we, um, we obviously spoke with um, Will, Will Ahmed on the, on oh, yeah. the podcast recently um, and did a deep dive on the HRV stuff. But in terms of supplementation mm. pre-bed, is, is there any that you would recommend to help drive cortisol down? And I think, as I always mention with any form of supplementation, I think it's always super important that we're looking at every other factor first that's within our control mm. as in we've just touched on things like lifestyle stress and and lifestyle habits and you know caffeine timing and all that type of stuff but mm. before we even look to the supplementation side of things i think the first and highest priority obviously is is making sure that we're controlling the controllables in terms of what we're doing in our actual lifestyle and, and at night time to make sure that you know naturally we're bringing cortisol down but mm. outside of that in supplementation anything that you could recommend yeah for sure um so number one would be a pretty hefty dose of l-theanine um so we're looking mm -hmm. at around 400 milligrams of l-theanine which is found in uh green tea that has an incredibly good safety profile mm -hmm. uh, lots of research on it and it's also very safe and so that will help with you know increasing gaba and lowering cortisol so that's number one Number two is phosphatidylserine, which is a sort of semi-nutrient sort of thing um, that's used to you know, help with brain function. That will also have a suppressive effect on cortisol. And these are compounds that you want to be using about one hour before bed. Um, you can also consider using a constituent found in chamomile okay. um, called apigenin, which um, Dr. Andrew Huberman has spoken about yeah. favorably. Apigenin is also a nice cortisol blocker. And then... The Which would be in what? Chamomile tea? Yeah. Right. As in it's found within yeah. chamomile. Okay. Even the simple act of um, making the making the tea before bed mm. and smelling the aromas, like the actual essential oils, will have a, an effect on wow. sedation and sleep. So Interesting. <laughs> wow. So <clears throat> you just mentioned GABA, which was something that I wanted to touch on today. Mm. Um talk to us about it right because i know just from the brief conversations that we've had you've mentioned um you know how it can uh, potentially be a substitute to alcohol in some way in terms of like mm. the social side of it and whatnot explain to the listeners first of all what the fuck gabba is because i know so many people are going to be sitting there having no idea and that's completely fine because most people probably wouldn't but um <laughs> yeah explain to us what it is and and what you've seen with it lately Yep, so GABA, like we mentioned before with serotonin, GABA is another neurotransmitter. Mm. So everyone is producing GABA every yep. day. Like we're all producing GABA. It's a pretty well-studied neurotransmitter. We know of different drugs, different supplements, different herbs that can affect GABA. Mm -hmm. Meditation positively increases GABA. It yep. positively increases that. Um, but the question then becomes like, as with most neurotransmitters, so like dopamine, let's, you know, can we take dopamine? The answer is no. Like mm. you can't actually just pop a dopamine pill. Like yeah. it's not possible. Can you pop a GABA pill? The answer is yes. Yeah. You actually can take GABA orally as mm -hmm. a capsule. It will work in the gut. As mm -hmm. we know, the gut is like the second brain. Yep. There are tons more GABA receptors in the gut than the brain. And so by taking GABA in supplemental form, between 250 milligrams to around 750 milligrams, um, no higher than that, will have a positive anti-anxiety action um, and can somewhat mimic the effects of alcohol. 
as well in terms of increasing confidence and stuff like that and just the ability to i guess be yourself and be comfortable in your environment is that yeah, what you yeah. mean and also feeling like um like verbally fluent and also like just uh we call it a social lubricant yeah yeah right yeah and so is this something that you'd recommend uh so definitely for people who uh, notice that their their brain is like overthinking like non-stop before bed and they can't switch off i look at it as like a natural switch off agent like it's a natural switch off you know compound mm. um with a pretty good safety profile not as good as l-theanine but it's like if you take gaba if you look at the research now it's there's more and more studies coming out on oral oral gaba consumption um as long as the dosages are kept below 750 milligrams i remember i used to take it like years ago back when i had no fucking idea why i was taking it before <laughs> bed but is it something that you would actually the question that i want to ask around that is <clears throat> is using gaba orally is that having any effect on uh, the body's ability to naturally produce it yeah so this is a great question this comes back to like with hormones and and like melatonin as well like if you take melatonin does mm. it shut down your body's production we haven't really seen that to be the case with GABA. Yep. So the body doesn't have a negative feedback loop to a degree. The body will definitely uh, reduce its production of GABA following um, benzodiazepines and Valium. And like yeah, yeah, yeah. Those medications are the ones that are that are associated with horrendous withdrawal side effects. Yeah. Which can be, I think Jordan Peterson's spoken about it. Yeah, I watched the. I watched him chat about that. I think it was with his daughter. Yeah, Michaela. one of the ones I saw. Yeah, and um, man, it sounded horrible. Terrible. Like it, yeah. uh, he went to overseas somewhere to some actual facility and said it was one of the worst experiences he's ever experienced. Yeah, and so we're not going to be we're not going to see that with GABA. If we if we were going to see that, we would have heard about it on the news by yeah, now. Yeah, like yeah, it, yeah. No one's complaining about. No one's ringing me up saying, Lucas, help me. I've got GABA withdrawal. <laughs> I've never, yeah. Like no one said that to me. They've just been like, okay, I've, t I've prescribed it to clients. Like yep. six weeks on, two weeks off, 500 milligrams per night. See how you go. If it helps with sleep onset, keep doing it. If not, then we look elsewhere and we try a different pathway. Interesting. So <clears throat> on the topic of the, you know, helping increase or decrease social anxiety and, mm. and increasing levels of confidence and just feeling a bit more comfortable and whatnot. Um, you mentioned something to me before we started today about a, a little stack that, <laughs> that you wanted to touch on. Um, I think you called it the chatterbox stack. <laughs> uh, talk to me about this. Yeah, so the Mr. Chatterbox stack is something that I've sort of pioneered and, and explored. And that is like looking at something that can act as like an amphetamine alternative. So things, things that can help with like um, social confidence and just good verbal fluency and just feeling comp like socially witty and funny mm -hmm. and the, the party, you know, the, the life of the party sort of thing. Um, now, obviously this is not medical advice, but yeah. um, there is a particular herb that's from Brazil and we know that Brazilians know how to party. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's a particular herb from Brazil called catuaba. Okay. Now, this particular herb um, does contain an alkaloid that can very powerfully stimulate dopamine release, um, not to the same extent as like, you know, Adderall or Ritalin, yeah. but it will do it in a way that's a bit more gentle and it will definitely put you in the mood to be like social and mm. and like outgoing. And if you're someone that's like 
constantly ruminating when you go out to parties and you feel like you just can't get out of your own head mm-hmm. like that's where Katwaba can really you know stand out as part of this like Mr. Chatterbox stack so that is the stack it's just that so that's one of the ingredients okay, right. then I was going to s- suggest combining that with a, a dopamine precursor like L-tyrosine so we're looking at around 250 milligrams of L-tyrosine mm-hmm. and then stacking that with the third and final ingredient which is Carver, not a colonial carver. I mean, carver. Carver. Yeah. I feel like I've heard bits and pieces about this, particularly in the States at the moment. Yeah. What's, what, explain to us what carver is. So, carver is extremely popular in um, alcohol alternative drinks now. Like, it's really popular as an ingredient. It's been around for a long time. We studied it at natural, we literally learned about it at naturopathy school. So, mm-hmm. I know it inside out. Um, carver is a medicinal, you know, uh, medicinal plant that's been used for various you know ceremonies and and rituals and practices and we have a lot of research on how kava works in the brain mm-hmm. and it can actually again just like we see with oral gaba kava extract can um you know raise gaba levels somewhat similar to alcohol without many of these side effects and withdrawal side of things as well I feel like I've seen, again, in, in the States, it's been getting paired a lot with like Kratom and stuff like that in the States regularly now. Like you're seeing even on some of the, the bigger podcasts, I feel like, I think it's called like Happy Happy Hippo or yeah. maybe not that, something like that. Everybody show, every second show is sponsored by this little product now. And I feel like it was those two paired together. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So Kratom or Kratom is like a, an op- a natural opioid mm. and it gives you a massive energy boost and also like gives you that, euphoric feeling right but the first compound that i spoke about that catuaba oh yeah yeah. uh, that one there from brazil is also a slight opioid as well right and that will give you a feeling like i've tested that many different catuaba extracts right i've also given it to family and friends i've also i gave it to my brother for three weeks straight so i said here you go bro like can you (laughs) just try this by itself take take catuaba it's fine it's got a good safety profile it's used in brazil it's completely mm. fine this is not like some extremely exotic synthetic chemical it's like a herb from brazil yeah, yeah, yeah. and i'm like okay take this for three weeks see how you mm-hmm. go he took it for three weeks after the first week he called me after work one day and mm-hmm. he told me he's like bro like i'm talking more than usual i'm like <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm like all right that's a good i mean that's a good sign he's like yeah and i'm also feeling more energetic and yep more social and then i told him to stop abruptly after three weeks yep i said all right you've had a pretty good response so far i want you to stop completely altogether cessation stop the whole thing he stops katwaba and even many days after stopping he's still feeling pretty good and then even like five six days later he's still feeling okay and then he eventually goes back to his baseline so it's not it's not um it's not like you go back down below like you just go right. back to baseline. Back to baseline. Yeah. Interesting. You mentioned before um, one of the precursors of, of dopamine, was it? Mm-hmm. So before, yeah. So um, when you, I've heard you talking a lot about upregulating dopamine. Mm. Yeah, explain to me and explain to the listeners like what, what that means. Yeah. So this is, um, so the whole premise behind this is we want to upregulate the production of dopamine. We want to shift the brain's resources more towards dopamine and less towards serotonin. Like we want to become dopamine dominant. So almost naturally wiring or well, trying to get to the point where we're almost wiring the, the brain and body to be shifting towards 
producing more dopamine. Yeah. 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 And becoming more productive and more focused mm. and more driven and more resilient, like all the beneficial effects. So how do we do this? Um, we know that there's various um, lifestyle practices that can help with upregulating dopamine. Aerobic exercise, like cardio training mm-hmm. is different to weight training. And I'm yeah. sure you know this. Um, aerobic training will upregulate dopamine D2 mm-hmm. receptors. Mm-hmm. And you, you hear about why people say they feel better doing cardio. Runners high that, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Makes me wonder if that's part of the pathway. Mm-hmm. But also there's another constituent, well, another nootropic that's really good for that dopamine upregulation. Um, and that is something known as uridine monophosphate, um, which I've you know talked about quite extensively as a, a way for people to rebuild sensitivity to stimulants. Right. So if you have strong stimulant tolerance... So even things like caffeine. Yeah. Yeah, caffeine tolerance and stuff. Caffeine yeah. tolerance, um, nicotine tolerance. Right. Uh, this uridine can help with like reversing that sensitivity, upregulating dopamine receptors. And really that's probably one of the compounds that helped me power through my university degree. Like I was using that a lot. To, to keep your sensitivity to stimulants high? To keep me f- like just productive because it's um like it, it makes you feel like you want to get shit done like right. when you take uridine you're like a, a, a like an animal like you just want to so work so uridine is actually helping dopamine response yeah right and so how's that having an impact on uh, uh stimulant sensitivity at the same time so it also what's interesting about uridine is that it can um, increase something known as potassium evoked dopamine release which is a favorable thing we do want that to happen but over time, it'll also increase these dopamine D2 receptors. And these D2 receptors, is they're really heavily linked with like um, mood, motivation, and also goal-oriented behavior. Right. So it's, yep. you want to increase yeah, goal-oriented yeah. behavior, which mm-hmm. is like... Which is the drip feed of the dopamine response. Exactly, yeah. 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 So you're getting that two-to-one two hit. And people are probably wondering like, oh, where's uridine found? Well, uridine is funnily enough found in breast milk. So, <laughs> <laughs> uridine is also found in broccoli in small amounts. Up and to also, you how you get that, guys. <laughs> um, and, and it's also found in an over-the-counter anti-Alzheimer's drink as well. So, it's actually used in a product called Suvenade. So, that's how you're getting your uridine. No, I'm getting it as a, sup, as a, as a compound. As a supplement. As a supplement. Right. Not through breast milk? <laughs> no, definitely okay. not. Good. <laughs> Raw milk? Yeah. Yeah, okay. But not but not breast milk. Not breast milk. Good, <laughs> good. I'm glad we fucking cleared that one up. That's fantastic. Um, the question I had for you, Lucas, was uh, I think now it's becoming a little more popular that, um, I don't know if popular is the right word, but it's becoming more common that mm. um, doctors are starting to prescribe cannabis uh, products for, for people to deal with pain, anxiety, depression and whatnot. And, uh, you know, I'm hearing a lot about a lot of the benefits of, of using it and whatnot is... Are you able to touch on some of, I guess, the the less favorable favorable outcomes or, or effects that this can possibly have on people, whether it be with lower sleep quality, whether it be I don't know what other what other effects that might be starting to pop up a little bit? Well, I think it's pretty clear that um, we have to differentiate between the the different compounds found within cannabis. So THC and yeah. CBD, yeah. So the THC, CBD, and then you've got CBG, you've got CBGA, CB like different types, and you've got all these terpenes and different um, constituents that contribute to what's known as like the entourage effect, which is you know the whole the ultimate synergy of all these compounds. Yep. 
Well, if we look at like THC, that's been pretty damn well studied in terms of how it affects the brain and mm -hmm. if it can cause schizophrenia and or um, affect hedonic responses. So it can actually contribute to anhedonia if we're not using THC. So like let's when I said before around um, using catawaba, for example, you get a mood boost and all that. Yeah. But then you're not you, you don't you're not suffering when you don't take it. Mm. It's pretty obvious that most people who use THC regularly mm -hmm. and then stopping abruptly, there is a pretty horrendous dopamine decline and, and a, a anhedonia that can occur. Right. Um, in addition to that, I've this is just anecdotal and this is what I've noticed with people that use cannabis or people that have used cannabis smoking mm -hmm. with THC. They have they have sleep issues. Like they, they actually have really bad sleep issues. And when they stop or yeah, even when they're on. On and off. Right. Like it just messes things up quite dramatically. Because I think like the, the perception of it, I would say for people who don't or haven't used it would be, well, I would say that, you know, you, you kind of... Uh, made to think that you know smoking cannabis or using cannabis oil or whatever is actually going to give you a much better sleep well but but i've read a lot of research around how you get actually a lot less hmm. REM sleep and it's harder to reach your deep cycle deep sleep cycle if if even reaching it at all exactly i mean it's going to help knock you out mm. which you know like or just after you've had a carbohydrate coma from the munchies yeah so like are you tired <laughs> from the thc or the, the huge carbohydrate coma food yeah <laughs> Um, but I think in terms of time, again, time and place, if someone's in a lot of pain, t cannabis can be useful. Mm. The CBD component, I think, has a lot of beneficial effects with yeah. minimal side effects, like mm -hmm. just CBD oil. Yep. That's a different story. Like that's, that's yeah, I've very used that yeah, that's a, a fair bit over the last few years. Yeah. And you probably respond quite well to yeah. that, you know. And For sure. It's anti-inflammatory, does a lot of things. So I think the discussion around that needs to be yeah like think think critically and just be careful if you're going to go down the route of actually smoking cannabis with thc yeah interesting um random question for you actually <laughs> what is the benefits of red light therapy okay so and, and is it something you know i see online like you can get the red light face mask and all that type of stuff like is it actually effective for someone to be going out and purchasing like a, a red light face mask and what are the benefits of using it? Or is, is majority of those products just a bit of a, a gimmick in comparison to the benefits that you would see with something that's obviously a little more, um, I don't know, more expensive, not more expensive product, but something that you're actually placing your whole body in front of red light. Well, there are various like red light panels now that are mm. on the market. And as you said, a lot of them are actually just duds. They're just not actually well designed in terms of um, the right wavelength of the light. Right. So it has to be within a certain wavelength. I think it's like 680 to 730 nm wavelength. Don't quote me on that. But that like, is there any science behind it? Does it actually work? It will help stimulate collagen production. Like right. it's pretty, that, that will help with people who have mm. skin issues or things like that. Um, there is a little bit of research on how red light, specifically on the testes, can help with um, testosterone production. But in my opinion, I mean, I prefer to go outside, shine my shine the shine the sun to the you know, <laughs> sun my balls. Can't spit it out. Sun my balls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck! I just thought of South Park for some reason. Then, anyway, yeah, yeah, for sure. 
Yeah. So in terms of like effectiveness and whether or not they're worth it, it's up to the consumer if they've noticed any benefits. There is some research that it can help stimulate the thyroid. So if you point the, the red light towards your neck where your thyroid gland sits, right. that actually might be able to help speed up the activity of the enzymes in the Interesting. thyroid. Interesting. What are your what are your thoughts on uh I can't remember his last name now. This guy Brian, who's Brian dedicated Johnson. his whole life to just trying to live as long as possible, and obviously he has a, a lot of money to be able to spend on a lot of the protocols he's doing, and also has all of the time in the world to be able to do all this stuff. But yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts and takeaways from the like the experiment that he's doing on himself? I guess. Well, he would be the um, most extreme form of biohack like he's representing the most extreme end of biohacking which is like completely mm. un, like inaccessible for 95 percent of the population mm-hmm. but then there's like maybe a small percentage of the things that he's doing that, that people can actually do and take away and actually you know implement because that's what i'm thinking i'm like we can we really extrapolate any data from what he's doing and apply it to basically an average person because realistically it's not you almost can't right it's like <laughs> even even down to some of the the practices that he's doing, it's like that's not applicable to someone who has to work a job or has a family or has social commitments or actually has a life outside of staying at home and doing this shit all day every exactly. day. Does he have a family? Does he? Uh, I don't know, man. But fuck, it'd be impossible to be in a relationship <laughs> with him. Surely, imagine that. Wake up in the middle of the night and he's like fucking <laughs> gone and just put a fucking. He's inside some fucking hyperbolic hyperbaric chamber or some shit and he just drops in and out and imagine how pissed i was thinking about this the other day imagine trying to go imagine what am i trying to say here imagine if you disrupted his his little cycle i feel like this is a thing right if he if he was disrupted from his usual routine right because he's like a robot i feel like mentally he would just lose his shit yeah he'd be thrown out completely it's like he can't actually live as a normal human anymore no no no, he's definitely, I mean, yeah, like the things he does is just, I didn't know that he's, um, is he ve- is he vegan or vegetarian? I heard somebody I think say so. he's vegan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I'm pretty sure. So he's substituting being vegan with a shit ton of like, he takes testosterone, he takes... Oh, he takes testosterone? Yeah, he's on TRT. Oh, man. Like... Really? <laughs> he's on hormones. He's yeah, on right. Melaton- like he's, he's taking hormones to counteract, you know, I can understand... He takes 64 tablets in the morning. Yeah, it's I insane. think it was something like that. Yeah, I think I took maximum like six or seven. That's what I mean. You just can't. I feel like you can't extrapolate any of that. I was having this conversation with a with a client the other day, and and we were talking about it, and she was just like, "How is this really relative to to basically anyone?" I, mm. I mean, aside from probably a few practices, as you mentioned before, that that mm. normal people can replicate. But it's interesting. I just, uh, man, it sounds horrible to me. Yeah. The one thing I do at least like is the fact that he's like emphasizing blood tests, mm. like emphasizing blood work, which is like, yeah, great. We need the population to hear that. And if he's like the main voice for biohacking at the moment, mm. great. Like, yeah, but um, yeah, I, I, I try to position myself away from that sort of extremism and more towards mm. like practical, like I'm not that fringe. I'm still like a normal person. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, this guy. I mean, I know he's meant to look younger and stuff, but he doesn't look well. No, he actually looks does not look well, like a ghost. In yeah. My opinion. Yeah. Anyway, just thought I'd throw that in there and just see what your opinion was on that one, <laughs> um, mate. Speaking of TRT and testo- testosterone, mm. um, we we obviously touched on this in the last episode, and 
a lot of feedback um, came from from that part of the episode and and men just wanting to start to understand a little more about TRT, so testosterone replacement therapy and um, and and the alternative to that, the natural route that people can go down before getting to the point where they, they make that decision to to go down that route of TRT. So I'd love for you to just dive into, I guess, again, just touching on like what TRT is and how the things that we can be doing from a supplement standpoint before we get to the point where we, we feel like we need to go down that route. And again, the importance of actually doing our bloods to make sure that we know why we're doing certain things and whether or not it's effective. Yeah, so TRT, it's a pretty big discussion, but it's one that I have quite a lot. And that is important because a number of young men are thinking that they can just quickly and easily jump on TRT mm-hmm. and it's all good. Like it's all good. You're just, you know, everything's fine. But we really need to look at when TRT is appropriate. So when is it actually suitable for a man to jump on TRT? Mm-hmm. And that is usually when they've exhausted all of the other methods, the natural interventions, the different supplements, the lifestyle habits. Yeah. Like when if they've dialed all of that in and they've got that down pat, yet their testosterone is still below 300 or below 200 mm-hmm. and they're still struggling and they've been screened for like a testicular injury or any sort of prostate related stuff and their testosterone is still low and they don't care about fertility yeah, that's a question I was going to bring up. Yeah. <laughs> that's when I say, okay, you, you know, maybe you're like 35 years old, you've already got two kids and you're not interested in having kids any further and you want TRT as a way to cope and to be able to train super hard, maintain a family, come home, still have energy and not be exhausted. That's when TRT can be useful. And so what is the effect that it has on fertility? Because I feel like that's something that a lot of people don't put any thought to. So if you look on... Initially anyway. Yeah, if you look on PubMed, there's literally a research article that says testosterone as a contraceptive, as a male contraceptive. Wow. So going on TRT will shut down sperm production, not fully, like mm-hmm. not fully, but it will significantly decrease fertility in men, like massively. And if someone was to decide that they, let's say they did want to have kids after already starting TRT, are they able to reverse that effect? Yep, so they can also run, if they decide to go on TRT and they're like, no, but I want to maintain my fertility. I I care about sperm count and I'm interested in having kids. They can also run like HCG alongside their TRT and that can maintain fertility to a degree. Um, And then also when they come off the TRT and they're like, okay, I'm ready to have kids, they can take like Clomid, which is a, a Clomiphene, you know, things like that, alongside different PCT stacks as well. Mm-hmm. That like the ones I mentioned, the herbs that I mentioned, tonkatali, cystanch, taurine, pine pollen, like that will bring back up your, your fertility and help with restoring, you know, that. One of the things that I feel like people also don't put a great deal of thought to or may not have as much education around is what are some of the negative effects or, I don't know, complications is the right way to put it, but mm. some of the negative effects that people may have, may or may not have when they are using TRT, mm. whether it be things like uh, skin quality, whether it be um, hair growth and all this type of stuff, like mm. are you able to touch on some of those? So there are some side effects associated with going on TRT. Obviously, it depends upon the dosage. If you're using supra-physiological, which is above your normal range, mm-hmm. you're going to run into side effects, which include but not limited to things like, you know, potentially like breast enlarged, like 
nip, like man boobs, like gynecomastia. Gyna. Yeah. Um, potentially exacerbated hair loss, potentially uh, acne or bacne. Um, it can it, it can also drive up blood pressure. I've seen in some cases mm. it, you know, worsening yeah. blood pressure. And it can also disrupt a particular cholesterol marker, HDL cholesterol. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can also have a blood thickening effect in some men. It can actually thicken a man's blood and that's why... Blood clots and stuff. Yeah, things like that. But but if you're using a controlled dosage yeah. with a qualified healthcare professional, like you can maintain... TR- you can be on TRT extremely safely for a long period of time and you'll probably live longer. Like right. You probably live... Because you're maintaining high T levels. Yeah. 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 And, and the last thing before, because I, I do want to touch on again, um, you know, what we can be doing instead. I know we spoke about it last time, but I feel like it's such a, uh, a popular topic and something that so many people can benefit from, from the natural route. Um, what are some of the things that, like complications that, we can, that people can have coming off TRT, right? Because I've heard so many conversations, people saying like, you know, I'm going to just jump on TRT. If it doesn't work, I'll just come off it and go back to normal but mm. i feel like there's things that people don't put any thought to prior to actually starting about what can happen when they come off yeah well let's just say coming off trt i can't speak about my personal use because i've never used trt but i work with the guys that have come off and the biggest effect that they report about coming off trt is the mental challenge mm. life all of a sudden becomes extremely mentally challenging and they don't have the like that oomph and that that willpower, so that like that effect that they get from testosterone when they withdraw testosterone in that period of like trying to recover, it's a shit period of it's a really it's a struggle town. Mm. Like they really will struggle. Um, is that is that what dopamine receptors have been? Oh yeah, dulled or or what's that? So because testosterone increases dopamine, yeah, and also dopamine increases testosterone. They like work hand in hand. Right. Um, coming off TRT can actually, what happens is like the neurosteroids, mm-hmm. like what happens is when you go on testosterone, it it can help with um, DHT and then DHT has metabolites known as pregnenolone, allopregnenolone. In the brain, that is extremely psychoactive mm-hmm. and they'll miss that effect. They will really miss that nice feeling. Interesting. So... Um, you know, we, we've spoken about it even uh, just by a message and whatnot, a few different supplements that people can be using to, to maximize their testosterone naturally. Mm. At the moment, what are, what are your kind of go-tos? And, and in terms of dosages and stuff too, I think last time I had a few questions around like, you know, we mentioned some really good supplements and compounds and stuff. People are a little confused around what when they should be using it, how much they should be using. So you're happy to share some on sure. that? Because yeah. I know we will also mention at the end of the show, um, Lucas, as we said last time, has a, 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 an incredible course, Limitless course, yeah. um, which I have the link to in the show notes. Um, I just got, I just purchased it earlier this week and been kind of mulling through it this week and it's there's some awesome stuff in there. But um, yeah, if you're happy to share some of yeah. it through here, that'd be awesome. Yeah, of course. So number one, when we're looking at supplementation there's a few factors we need to consider like dosages different mm-hmm. extracts and different and different things like that um, so starting off with like tonka ali um, we're looking at a 10 to 12 percent extraction of a uricominone extraction for tonka ali and that's like the main constituent that's found within this herb that's you know notorious for lowering shbg and increasing free testosterone so that's like pretty well documented now mm-hmm. so tonkara lee we're looking at a dosage between 100 to 200 milligrams mm-hmm. um, moving on we have like cystanch extract which i 
alluded to last time as Genghis Khan's favorite herb. It yeah. was uh, Stanch in your pants, that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, that one there is... That was a hit on Instagram, actually. That was a good <laughs> reel. <laughs> that was a great one for, um, you know, increasing, you know, fertility and also bringing back, restoring testosterone production. Right. Um, and then... Dosages with that one? Uh, so we're looking at, d- depending on the extraction, usually around 200 to 400 milligrams mm-hmm. of Stanch extract. And then the other compound that I like a lot is pine pollen tincture. Right. Um, That one there is an alcohol extraction of a pine pollen tincture. And we're looking at around 20 drops under the tongue and then holding it there for a little bit and then swallowing that. um, 20 drops? Yeah, 20 20 like drops, not droppers, like drops. Like, yeah, because in a tincture form. Right, okay, yeah, 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 right. Um, And then combining that with like, Big dose, six grams of taurine daily. Right. I take that every day. Um, take that every day? Always, yeah. And yeah, there's like a few other ones that I've brought in and out. Fidogia agrestis is another one that works. Yeah, they're, they're like the main ones that I'm sort of hovering around now. Interesting. And the one that we've been discussing that you shared this week, is that would that be brought into this conversation? So the Eclonia carva. Mm. Yeah, so Eclonia carva is like a really potent um, seaweed. And mm. uh, we've got wakami and different types of shit, a seaweed. I was about to say shitweed. Um, shitweed. <laughs> uh, you know, Eclonia carva <laughs> has over $30 million of research in Japan. And it's like, this this stuff is great. Like it's it's really good for sleep, deep sleep, um, natural growth hormone release, increasing alpha waves, decreasing cortisol, and it's a potent antioxidant. So it helps with, you need antioxidants to protect mm. the body from free radicals, which can lower testosterone. Mm-hmm. So you um, add that one into the mix. Yeah. So that's like a nighttime stack. That's part of like with magnesium and yeah, yeah, yeah. Compounds. Epic man. Well, uh, this has been a bit of a, another masterclass today. There's so many things to take away from today and, and guys, we might even put a little summary of some of this stuff or, or we'll definitely have a, um, a bit more information on some of the stuff that we've shared in the show notes um, along with some links to any articles and, and of course, um, Lucas's Limitless course if you want to do a bit more of a deep dive and start to really understand from a number of different perspectives of what supplements you can be using to enhance things like mood and, and energy and obviously things like testosterone and whatnot but um man is there anything else that you want to kind of finish us off with today anything that you can leave us with before we wrap up no i guess like the main thing is just to um yeah like i said at the start like the building the self-awareness and mm. you know we're, we're in we're in the self-optimization space like you're yep. into fitness as well like yeah building any sort of self-awareness with these with these biohacks is just going to ultimately to ultimately lead to better health so yeah brilliant well man appreciate your time um as i said i'm, I'm looking forward to to jump on another one soon and and guys let us know if you're enjoying these episodes the two episodes i've done with lucas and whether you'd also like to hear maybe like a mini series on on one of these topics in particular um i don't know you guys let us know i might chuck something up on my instagram story and get some feedback from you guys but um yeah, we'd love to hear from you and I uh, hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have, we would love for you to take a screenshot and share it on your social media or send a link to a friend, someone who could benefit from listening to this episode. Um, and yeah, really appreciate you listening or watching this episode um, and hope you're having a fantastic day and looking forward to chatting to you again very soon.